welcome everyone to church this Sunday. Let's all stand. Bless the Lord, Almighty ones. Bless the Lord, you heavenly host. Bless the Worship is my warfare, my praise is a weapon. 
still yet to walk through. Amen.
on the road, you in that pew.
that we're to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, how many's faith, How many of your faith is perfect right now? Anyone? That's why we look to Jesus, because he perfects our faith. In our weaknesses, Scripture says, he is made strong. So what we do is we acknowledge our need for him, and when we turn our needs over to him, he meets us and he embraces us. And I, I love, one of the things I love about Scripture is that when you read the Bible, he talks to us about how, how he taught and demonstrated to us. It wasn't just teaching, you know. How many of you ever sat in a classroom and you, you're in a classroom and all of a sudden your eyes get kind of glassy and, you know, it's been after lunch and you're a little bit tired and you're kind of spacing out and, and you're, hearing, you're hearing this, blah, 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 right? You're not getting any of it. Jesus didn't just teach. He demonstrated to us what it meant to be a disciple of his and one of the things that jesus did that was absolutely amazing he demonstrated to us that we would do greater things than him isn't that amazing that the god of the universe the god of all creation came down to earth 
and lived among us. And according to the book of Philippians chapter 2, he took his divine nature and set it aside and then demonstrated how in his natural person of who he was, he was able to accomplish all these miracles, all these signs and wonders, all these things. He said, I'm going to do it. I, I could access my, my supernatural power, but I'm going to do it just in, in the man called Jesus Christ to demonstrate to you that you can do it too. And the beautiful thing about Scripture is it tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did the same thing back then that he's doing today. He's demonstrating through us the power of the Lord, demonstrating through us the power that he has to allow healings and miracles and, and supernatural things to go through our lives. You know, it's interesting that this church is a miracle. You know that? The things that this church is able to do are miraculous. The things that you are able to do are miraculous. How do I know that? Because the word of God declares it. He's, this is what Jesus said in, in the Gospel of Luke, or John, chapter 14. In verse 10, he says this. He says, The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And what is the work of God the Father? Supernatural. How do we know that? You read Scripture. Scripture says over and over and over and over, God is the God of miracles. God is the God of supernaturals. We have the names of God around our building. Why? Because we want you to know the characteristics of who God is and the power of who He is. He is our righteousness. He is our healer. He is our defender. He is our shield. He is our provider. He is everything to us. And one of the things that I love about the Gospels is when you read them, you see Jesus in work among people just like you and I. Now, we like to glorify them, you know. Oh, you know, the disciples, oh, they were, they were fishermen. Everyone knows what fishermen are like, right? They were tax collectors. How many of you love people in the IRS? You know, that's, that's the people that Jesus used, simple folk like you and I. But yet they did something that projected them to a new level, and they believed Jesus at what his word, and they took it seriously. And, and if you read the Gospel of John, a little bit further, just down in that same chapter, in, in verses 12 and 13, he says this. I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Or excuse me. Uh, he, he goes on to say, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do these works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what happens is when you and I believe the Word of God, we believe the power and the authority of Scripture, it says that we can actually do greater things if we believe in Him. How many of you believe that? About a third of you. Lord, work on the rest. Work on the rest. Work on the rest, Lord. You know, that's the truth of Scripture. And if you read through the Gospels, if you read through Luke and Mark, and if you even get into the book of Acts, one of the things you'll see is how the demonstration of the power of God came. And how did it come? Jesus said, you know what? I have to leave this earth. I'm going to be crucified for your sins. My, my blood is going to cover you and cleanse you. But I'm going to be taken up into heaven so that I could then send to you, the, he uses the word comforter, not a blanket, not a pillow, not like a fuzzy you sleep with, but the Holy Spirit. And he says in the, in the original language, the word that's used for it is parakletos. It means that one who sticks closer than a brother. You know, I've been looking through pictures of our children when they were little, and I, I saw pictures of my two boys hugging each other. You couldn't even fit a piece of paper between them. That's how close the Holy Spirit wants to be to you. 
He wants to be so close that you're never alone. You're never forsaken. Jesus said, I'm going to send the comforter so that you will never be alone. You could be by yourself, but as a believer, you're never alone because you have the spirit of the living God there for you. And what the Lord wants to do is he wants to release in you supernatural faith to believe him that he is the God of the miracles. How many of you want that kind of faith? You want that? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now in that name that is above every name. The name that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will flood in our lives. Lord, transform us by the renewing of our minds, by the filling of your Spirit, Lord. That you will take us, that as, as the Gospel of John, chapter uh, 1 John 3, 8 says, that God, you will provide everything we need to destroy the works of the enemy. And I pray that God, you will supernaturally fill us, infuse us, and strengthen us, Lord, to be the men and women of faith that you've called us to be. Lord, you don't change. You're the same God in the Gospels as you are in the early church, as you are in our church today. And Lord, we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit wants to help us and protect us and guide us and empower us to do things that you've called us to do. And Father, I pray that you'll baptize us again with a baptism of love, a baptism of fire, a baptism of your Holy Spirit, that, God, we can be walking, demonstrating examples of Jesus Christ to the people we come in contact with. Lord, use us to perform miracles. Use us to perform supernatural things. Use us, Lord, in our ordinary humanity to be the people that demonstrate the power of God, that as we lift Jesus up, people will be drawn to you. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here. Glad God's doing something great in our life. Pastor Nick's going to come up. He's got some announcements he wants to share with us. Welcome, everybody. God is good. So we have a newsly weekly, sorry, weekly <laughs> e-newsletter that goes out. Um, that is more in depth of what we do here at Crossroads. We have a bunch of stuff going on, different ministries. Um, if you don't get that email, go ahead and fill it out on your card uh, in front of you, your email, and slip it in the tithes and offerings. Um, also, this email uh, is Teresa's email. She's the secretary of the church. She'll reach out to you if you message her. <laughs> this is a relationship, so message us. We message you guys. <laughs> Uh, we have worship proclamation July uh, 18th. That's 5:30 to 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. It's going to be a night of worship, so get ready for that. Invite friends to it too. We have foundation of faith class. That's going to start up in August 26th and run till October 3rd. That's going to be at 10:30 a.m. during second service. And it's a solid scriptural foundation for your faith. It's not just for new believers. It's also for people who want to grow in faith. Um, this will be taught by Kim Benz. And this is the same class that she's going to teach pastors in India online. Um, summer 2021, we have lots of events. Um, youth summer camp is coming up. That's about 225 per person. Um, brochures are in the foyer. There's all the events listed on there. Um, we also have coffee and donuts now in the foyer. The youth will be there 
just saying, hi, these are the events that are coming up. Um, there you could also get an insight of how much it costs for the youth to attend these events. Um, if you feel like you want to donate, feel free to just hand them some cash. They'll slip it in a box, and then that goes all towards youth events. Um, single ladies, we have a special event for you. That is Friday, July 30th at 6 to 8 p.m. It's going to be in the fellowship hall and sanctuary. Uh, we just want to honor all the single ladies. Um, this is like 12 and up. So if you're in youth group and you're a single lady, come. Um, single moms come. Single grandmas come. Uh, single any lady. Uh, it'll be a time to eat, worship, and receive a blessing from the Lord. Um, we have many gathering opportunities that I mentioned earlier. Um, Teresa can email you those events. We have Tuesday night basketball for men. Uh, we just opened up a gym section inside of the gym. That's for working out. Um, don't pay for a gym membership. <laughs> Come receive fellowship with each other and get physically strong to you as well as spiritually strong. Um, we have our sermons online. That's available on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Um, that's saved forever. So if you have some sermons that really touched you, it's going to touch other people too. Um, go ahead and spread that out. Daily devotionals. Pastor David sends an email Monday through Saturday. Right now we're in the books of Ephesians. Um, Pastor Lynn does Tuesday through Saturday, and this is on YouTube. If you type in filled to the brim, she'll be right there, front and center. Um, and these are videos. Pastor David sends the email form. <laughs> so we have missionaries of the week. That's Mike and Angie Martinez. Um, they're part of our missionary team from here they're housed here and they are paired with nepal and india and they're just full with wisdom and we just want to bless them as our missionaries that partner over there um, we want to pay for their expenses and this is a missions so uh, we're called to send them so let's do our part in sending them. Um, as we bow our heads and get ready for tithes and offerings, um, just pray with me. Father God, right now we choose to just worship you more with our tithes and offerings. And as we reach our hands out to give, we put our hand out to receive as well, Father. And I thank you for the blessings that are going to come just by taking extra steps in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.
summer schedules. Everybody's going on vacation, which they deserve to go on, but you're all here. So that's awesome. Just want to report to you um, some miracles God is doing. You know, it's interesting because um, this house is 200 people wet. That means every baby shows up, every person that shows up, every person that comes Christmas and Easter shows up. And it's like sometimes I say, Lord, um, why is it that you give us such a big assignment for such a small group of people? <laughs> Nobody's laughing, but I am. Okay, so here we go. Um, and the Lord says, because it takes more faith for you, uh, a little church with a big vision takes more faith than a big church with a big vision. Well, at least for us, it takes more faith over on the side of the, the coin. So. So speaking of that, the Lord has asked us to do some big things over the last couple of years. One year ago, we were asked by, by one of the, our partners in India to help them purchase uh, what we call the Makai House. Makai means like God. And um, these children who are at ri- more than at risk probably would die if they didn't have a safe house to go to uh, mothers who are unwed and their babies likely forced abortions or the women would be trafficked in some very bad situations. So in northern India, uh, our partners there wanted to have a house which would be the first like it in that northern part, which would be a safe home. They began to work with the local government who heard about them, actually were baffled why they would even want to do this. And so the local government began sending them women who were in this situation that they had discovered, and it created this ministry. They needed a home that was of their own because the one that they were renting was going to be sold. They, at the first, tried to um, purchase the one that they they were in, although it was quite small for their need. And it was $100,000. So we had committed, if you remember, a year ago to raise $100,000 for this home. And we did that. But in the meanwhile, what happened was that that home fell through. God had a different house, which was three times as big, in a safer area of the city. And so they ended up, we believed God, they ended up purchasing that home, but it wasn't for 100000 It was for 245000 So if you subtract 100 minus $145,000 was left at, at the balance. I said to them, praise God, you guys want this home? Here's 100000 They were able to move into the home, but they had a balance of $145,000, which they would have to come up with before October 1st. So I was so glad, you know, when you get that burden off, praise the Lord, here's your 100,000. And, oh, good, I don't have to do anything else. But I knew in my spirit, this is going to come back around. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And I kept trying to push it away. No. But the Lord said, no, you're not done with helping them. 
And so a couple months ago, the Lord uh, will put on the director's heart. She contacted he and she contacted me and said, listen, you know, we're concerned about this balance that we have because we will lose the home if we don't come up with the full payment. And so I said, okay, I'll help you. But I really felt like I just needed to just kind of keep it pretty close to just asking women of the world supporters. I haven't been up here asking at Crossroads, but just through my newsletter, I think it was twice that I sent a newsletter out saying we need um, a certain amount of money that, uh, of their balance, which was tens of thousands of dollars. And the Lord just said, you know what? If you know the story of Moses when he struck the rock, you remember that story? He struck the rock. Well, this time the Lord said, speak to the rock. He said, do it softly. You don't need to hard press this. And so I didn't. And I just got on my face before the Lord and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And on Friday, we received the balance of what was owed for the house. And I was able to Zoom call them. They cried. They could not even talk. We have a house in northern India because this house does great things for God with a big anointing. Because God knows what he's doing. He's using us to do great things. And I believe that house is more than just, uh, although it's quite significant that we're saving lives really saving babies lives actually we had a picture it's not in up here but a picture with Nitin and his wife and they had one of the little girls that they had rescued who has been who's growing up in the home she was with them on the the zoom call she, she, because it was really early in the morning when we had zoomed them and she's so precious sitting there with googly eyes kind of scared looking at us because she probably doesn't see too many white people and uh she's all like "Ooh, what's that you know and uh it was so sweet but they cried, and we just felt such a privilege that the Lord is doing this in northern India, and this is an epicenter for life. John 10.10, 10, I have come that they might have life, and life abundantly. This is an epicenter for, this is more than physical. This is more than saving babies and women. This is life. This is Jesus' life. He has set up a beachhead for life, and there are going to be great things. And guess what? We get to partner with that. This is not the end. Raising the money is not the end. It's the beginning. It's the launching point for something God has more. He has more for us. And I just wanted to share that miraculous thing. And I also want to share within the same week, we paid off the mortgage of this church. So we have, uh, we have no debt. This church has absolutely no debt. And we paid for that. Do you understand? Here we are. There's not very many of us in this room today. And God is flowing. He's doing it. You know what I always kind of get is people say, I don't see God, miracles. I say, come to church. Come, come be a part of life with him and you will see miracles. See, the disciples saw miracles because they showed up. Hello. He was like, I can't wait till Pastor Lynn's done today. You know what? You're probably right. You know what? I know. I'm just kidding. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, um, show up where he's at and you're going to see miracles. He's real. He's flowing. 2021, he's flowing and he wants to do it through your life. Just as Pastor David said, just want to share that with you. Great things God is doing. Yes. Last Sunday, felt like yesterday. Last Sunday, I spoke about kingdom builders have authority. If you were here, we had the ice cream truck. You know what, Pastor David, it's probably a good idea for us to have ice cream more often around here. 
Uh, it was good. People show up for that, so that's good. So, and it was fun. Um, last week, I spoke about that. Kingdom builders have authority, but only got through half because I wanted to establish why we have authority scripturally. What gives us authority? And I'm going to just go over that in an, a quick overview uh, before I go into the second part, because the second part that I'm going to talk to you today is why do kingdom builders lack authority? So here you have, why do we have authority, but then why do we lack it if we have it? It's going to be quiet. That's okay. It's going to be quiet. So Jesus came in his incarnation and he walked in authority. Agreed? Yes, he walked in authority. Now, Pastor David mentioned this, and I mentioned it last Sunday, that Jesus was fully God, fully man, right? Right. That's correct. He was fully God, fully man. But according to Philippians chapter 2, the kenosis passage, he laid aside his divinity. He was still fully God, but he did not access the power of his divinity. And he said, I'm going to do everything in my incarnation, the work that the Father has given me to do, I'm going to do it in my humanity through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? Not just in his humanity, but through the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could say, now you can also do it. That's why he could say greater things you can also do because I did it and therefore you can do it, do it because I'm doing it like you're going to do it. That's why you can have authority. So that's what he did. He did not ex access his divinity and he walked in his humanity and through the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now remember, not just in his humanity, in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things, as I spoke about last Sunday, is how he established his authority before he actually went into his ministry is that he went through temptations. A lot of times people bypass the temptations of Christ as if they're not important, but they're actually quite important because it established the realms that he has given to us authority. Do you hear me? It established the different realms. So one, the first thing was the bread. Re remember that? And Jesus, remember he had fasted, he was hungry, and the enemy tried to tempt him with bread. And he said, man will not live by bread alone, Right? And the thing that he was establishing is that my flesh is not going to have authority over me. The Holy Spirit is going to have authority over me. What comes from heaven, that's the scripture that he, he tells the enemy, is what comes from heaven is going to have authority over me. And then he goes on and the enemy tempts him with the kingdoms of the world. He shows him the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus says, you know, these kingdoms are not, I'm not going to bow down to you. These kingdoms will not have authority. The kingdom of man will not have authority over me. I will have authority over the kingdom of man. The third temptation was the enemy brings him up to the temple, the temple, the spiritual high place. And Jesus, and, and the enemy quotes scripture to him, trying to deceive Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you're not going to tempt me with this. No, you're not going to tempt me with this. And, and he was establishing, Jesus was establishing authority over the spiritual powers, the spiritual realm. So if you see how the progression, it was from flesh, the flesh to the kingdoms, to the spirit realm, the realms of authority. Why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus undergo this temptation for us, for us to reestablish for us the authority that he was going to seal for us? on the cross this authority you have today because the same presence the same spirit the same holy spirit dwells in you 
The same Holy Spirit that dwells, dwelled in Christ dwells in you. It's a revelation of that, the, the authority that you have that Jesus paid for. And most Christians, many Christians don't walk in the, the uh, levels of authority that Jesus paid for. Many don't. Because you know why? They don't believe it. If you don't believe it, you're not going to do it. We're going to get there in just a minute about our thoughts. But that's what Jesus did. He established this authority and it was revealed through overcoming his temptations. And those temptations he overcame were not for him. It was for us. And they were real temptations. So real. As I said last Sunday, Jesus was exhausted afterwards and the angels came and ministered to him. That's how real the temptations were. They weren't false. They weren't fake. They weren't just some sort of like veneered temptations so he can check off a box. They were real and he overcame them so that your real temptations you can overcome. So your real temptations, whether they be in any of those realms, you can overcome. And Jesus did that. And when then Jesus, after his incarnation, he goes to the, the cross at the pinnacle of his incarnation and he gives his life for us to seal that which he's going to give us. And that's the Holy Spirit. And that is how we're going to function in the power and authority. And it says in Colossians 2.15, what he did on the cross is that he made a spectacle of the powers and authorities. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, Jesus on the cross defeated everything that stood against us. Everything that stood against you. Therefore, nothing in this day on July 11th can stand against you that you don't have authority to overcome. He, listen, you got to believe it, right? You got to believe it. And in Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So, the children of God now, because we have, when we believe, when we receive Christ, to the many that have received him, gave us the power to become children of God. We have the DNA of the Father God in us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And now we have authority, but that authority that we have is delegated to us through jesus you do not have authority over all those realms outside of christ but with christ you do have the authority over those realms because you are seated with christ in heavenly places that's where you are seated as a believer now this is a thing the word and i talked about this last sunday the word for authority in scripture is exousia that's a greek word and that authority, the word for authority shows us that we have authority because of where we are positioned. You have authority because you are positioned with Christ in heavenly places. That's where your authority comes from. Therefore, you do not, should not move from that position. Adam and Eve moved from their position. They said, basically, I don't want to be under the submission of God, the creator. I want to be fruitful and multiply outside of God. I don't want to be in full and complete obedience to God. And what happened was they were seduced by their own pride or whatever. And as a result, 
that seduction led them into captivity. They stepped out of their authority and it led them into captivity. Exousia in the Greek means you have positional authority because you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Your authority is positional. Dunamis means power and it's supernatural power. Yes, humans have power. Yes, there's a level of authority that we do can exercise, but it's very limited. It's limited. Our power is limited. But in Christ, we have his authority and power because it's delegated to us. Why is it that we're, this church is able to raise that much money to buy a home, to do a powerful thing in northern India? And, and there's other miracles. I can tell you many other miracles that have happened is because of the authority. I'll tell you what. I spent a lot of time on my face before the Lord for this. Because I knew, you know what? It has to be through you. Because I, I know one thing. There's no, more, there's no more milk in this cow. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no more milk in this cow, God. I mean, in my, in my physical eyes, I can't see it. But you know what, Lord? You know how you're going to release it. That's why we can put two fish and five loaves in his hand and he feeds 5,000 because he has all authority. He's not worried about it. He has all authority and he has all power. And we get to participate in that because of where we are seated, our relationship with him. The other thing that I want to say, and Ephesians 2, 6 tells us about us being seated with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Jesus, in his incarnation, he walked in power and authority through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the presence, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He was able to say, I have nothing in common with the enemy. When something has authority over our lives, we have something in common with the enemy. But Jesus was able, because he defeated all temptations, he could say, and this is before he went to the cross, I have nothing in common with the enemy. John 14, 30 and 31. I will not talk with you much more for the prince, the evil genius of the world is coming. Don't forget that the enemy is the evil genius. It's interesting that that's the way it's, he's described in scripture. And don't forget that it was, the enemy that introduced evil into this world. It's not God. It was the enemy. He said, you want to know everything? You only know good. The only thing that the enemy contributed to you is the evil part. And now we inherited that in our world, the evil part. But Jesus says, guess what? I don't have the evil genius is ruling. The ruler of the world is coming and he has no claim on me. I love this. In other words, he has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. And he has no power over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Now, that's what the Lord wants us to be able to say as we walk in power and authority. You know what? The enemy has no claim on me. There's nothing in common. You know what? In my past, before Christ, B.C., before Christ, before I was a new creation, there might have been some things. There were some things that he had in common with me. He had some grasp on me. He had a claim on me. But now, because I am in Christ, because I now have the delegated power and authority, he has no claim on my life. Why? See, if you look closely at this scripture, why? Because Jesus says that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father says. Obedience. Now, that's kind of where we kind of go a little astray because you know what? 
it's fine. We like the power and authority, but the obedience, exactly what my father is asking. Possibly we can lack authority because we just don't want to do what the father is telling us to do. And we step out of our position, our position with Christ. We step outside of listening. We're going to get to that in just a minute of how we can lack power and authority, authority in our lives because we open up some doors that we shouldn't have opened. But the truth is this, the way that Jesus walked out his life so that we can do it in the same way, we should be able to say the enemy has no hold on me. And if there is a hold I'm taking authority over that area. The enemy has no hold on my life. But the secret to that is love for God. Jesus being number one in our life and obedience to God. Doing exactly what our Father is saying for us to do. So Jesus in his work, his incarnation, and as a result of the cross, what did Jesus do? He addressed all of the open doors that humans opened as a result of sin. He addressed them and he closed them through the confrontation that he had with the temptations and through the cross. He closed those doors. He showed us that we can overcome and then he sealed it on the cross and he gave us the Holy Spirit. And now we can do the same thing. We can. You got to believe it. But the question that beckons which is about today, is this. So why do believers have things in their lives that exercise authority over them? Why do believers, I'm not talking to unbelievers, I'm not talking about people who don't have Christ in them, no Holy Spirit in them. I'm talking about why do believers have things in their life that exercise authority over them? Why are they gripped by temptations of this world? Why do they have things in common with the ways of the enemy? Why are those things exist? Why is there a hold or grip on them when Christ has given us the power and authority? Why? And I know that it happens. And you know, I want to say this kind of foundationally. Part of our journey in growing is having the revelation that something does have a grip on us and we need to you know, the Lord, it, part of it is there's a process. There's a growth process. There's a maturing process. We're becoming like Christ. So that authority increases in us as we address things through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that is foundational. However, there are times when we are fully aware of something that's gripping us that we're simply not addressing. And this is what the Lord wants to address in our lives today because Jesus died, gave his life so that we walk in power and authority. This is his desire for his children, not just so that in the other world, when we get to the other side, guess what? You don't need power and authority there. There is no enemy. There is no battle. It's all over at that point. You are what you are when you get there. But he, he wants you to express it here because John 10, 10 says, I came that you might have life and life abundantly here but why why is it when something has authority in our lives other than christ what has happened well i'm gonna tell you this if something in your life has authority over you other than christ you have given that thing authority if you're a believer who has you have you have given that thing authority you have delegated it the authority in your life because now you're a new creation now you have the holy spirit in you and a lot of times this comes through a belief system 
an attitude of our mind that we haven't addressed. We believe that that thing should have authority in our life. We have agreed with that thing having authority in our life. And the Lord wants us to address that belief system so that we can say, no, that thing has no claim on me. I have no agreement with that. There is nothing that I have nothing in common with that. It may have been a part of my old life, but it's not a part of my life today. What about things in our life that can get a grip on us? Addictions or, you know, just not putting Jesus first. Idols that we would call idols or behaviors, fleshly behaviors that that get a grip on us. And we act like we have no control of addressing those things. Why? Why does that happen when Jesus has given us exousia and dunamis? Well, I want to submit to you one way is because we still have the residue of our old person on us. We're still functioning under our old ways. Actually, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Now, for those of us that are older, I think everybody that's uh, young is gone. You all clothe yourselves at this point. At one time, your parent clothed you. You were unable to do so. But now that you are older, you are able to clothe yourself. And it's interesting. Paul uses this kind of metaphor to show, listen, you're able to function, to exercise your power and authority, to put off your old self. Listen, we can put off. If you have a temper problem, you can put off your old self. I don't care what what, um, ethnic background you have you can put off your old self because you are a new creation and the dna of your father dwells in you you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new where in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like who god like jesus in true righteousness and holiness now let me just say this It begins in your mindset. Why did I say, listen, if you don't got it in your head, if you don't let the Holy Spirit transform your mind, you're just going to go around with with a very stiff neck and a really hard heart justifying yourself. You know, well, Pastor Lynn, let me tell you about my childhood. Well, you know what? That happened. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but you know what? Now that Christ is in you, now that you're a new creation, now that you're growing in Christ, put on your new self. Behold, all things become new. Quit excuse, too many excuses. And then what happens is that we agree with the enemy that we don't have authority in that area of our life. And you know what? He laughs at you. He laughs at you because if you don't have authority in that area of your life, who does? He wants, the Lord wants you to function in authority. To put off that old man, a lot of times, yes, it's a mystery. Yes, it's a mystery how we're a new creation. But the Holy Spirit's power is supernatural. And there is not one thing in our life that we have to be captive to. Not according to what Jesus has done for us. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we still walk in our old self. Sometimes that's why we lack authority. But here's a better one, even. That's true, and it's related. But I have found this to be true with believers. And and this message is only for believers. 
that we become on autopilot in our Christian walk and we become apathetic, we become prideful, we become arrogant in our life and pretty soon we become very lukewarm in our relationship with the Lord. And we go on our merry way, you know, maybe what brought us to Jesus, the, the desperation, the need, the brokenness, the marriage problem, the financial problem, the health problem, whatever brought us to Jesus. Now, Jesus has helped us smooth it out and we go on our merry way. We lose him as our number one priority. We get arrogant. We get prideful. We get worldly in our thinking. And all of a sudden, a sudden storm comes and sideswipes us. But you know what happens in that moment? We don't reach for Jesus. We reach for the things of the world. We reach back for what we used to reach for, the bottle. I'm going to go on a, a shopping spree that I can't afford. I'm going to get online and flirt with somebody, but I'm married. Come on, I'm just getting real with you. Oh, we reach for something that we think is going to make us feel better in the moment, make us going to address something, and in our reach, we get gripped by the enemy. We get gripped in our reach for the wrong things. We get gripped by the enemy and we find ourselves back in captivity. Some of the very things that Jesus freed us from, we have reached back for because we've grown cold. We've gripped the world and the enemy's liking that. He wants you to grip. And a lot of times the seduction is this. I don't need God or don't, don't, don't interfere. Or I don't want to hear about it. And all this kind of prideful mentality. You know what? That's what happened with Adam and Eve. They reached for the wrong thing. It's kind of something that humans do when we get in our flesh and we have to be aware of it. And the truth is this. It happens. And I've seen it happen in the church. I've even seen it happen in leadership in the church. I've read story and story and story about people once worship leaders, once pastors, now have left the faith, now believe in all kinds of crazy, stupid stuff because they've reached for the wrong stuff because they grew lukewarm. They've loved the world. They wanted the applause of the world. They wanted the acceptance of the world. And when they reached for that, they stepped out of position and no longer walked in authority. Is that scriptural? Yeah, actually, I'm going to show you. Demas. Demas is an example. He's frequently stated three times in the New Testament. And actually, Demas is the man that worked alongside of Paul, Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, one of the most powerful people in the early church, and Demas was a co-laborer with him. And actually, Scripture tells us in Philemon 1:24, he's mentioned as a fellow worker. And in Colossians 4:14, he's also mentioned along with Luke, the gospel writer, as, as an associate of Paul. But you find in Paul's last letter, before Paul dies, when when Paul is finishing his race, he mentions Demas. And in second Timothy 4:10 it says this. This is what he says about Demas. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. You know what that tells me? You can be in the very presence of the Holy Spirit and let your heart be hard. Seen it. I see it all the time. 
You can be in the Garden of Eden. Come on. The presence of God and have your heart get hardened. Demas lets his heart get hardened and he leaves because he loves the world. It's so important that we don't get a hardened heart, a proud heart, a lukewarm spirit. Because that leads us astray. And in that leading astray, what happens is we step outside of the authority that God has given to us. And we are no longer overcomers. But now the enemy has a claim on us, see. And in Demas' life, because he loved the world, the enemy now has a claim on him. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. And you know what? He's not talking about loving people because this is why. John, the apostle of love, says this in his gospel. For God so loved the world. So what is he talking about? What is it that you're not to be loving? The philosophies of the world. The agenda of the world. The things that the world says is important. No, you are to love Jesus Christ. And by doing so, we can also be an expression of the agape love of God. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Don't love the spirit of the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, and then this is what he lists. That's why we know it's the spirit of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. See, the greatest power in your life is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is the greatest power in your life. And therefore, do not harden your hearts. Even as you hear the word go forth, and sometimes it's a tough word, but do not harden your heart. Don't have a lukewarm response. Receive the word of the Lord so that your heart does not get hardened. You know, in the last days, there is going to be a great deception. It's so concerning to me. I see, I see deception. Listen, I hear about people, some people who were my co-laborers in my earlier ministry, some of my people who are my former students, when I was a Bible college teacher raising up ministers who now have left the faith because they loved the world. Listen, it's happening. And I'm calling us to say, no, I'm going to have a softened heart. I'm not going to have a proud heart. Jesus is my number one priority. I'm not going to allow the seduction of the world to take hold of me. But I am going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm not going to allow these sophisticated arguments that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians to take a hold on me. Starting to lean my ear to listen to the sophisticated arguments of the world. But rather, I'm going to believe what the word of the Lord says say well it sounds like foolishness well scripture already told you that so you have authority but that authority is delegated Demas took the bait of the world another example is in Revelation when Jesus speaks to the churches Laodicea one of the churches that Jesus speaks to shows us how this church reached for the things of the world and lost their first love. Were gripped by the enemy because they had reached for the wrong things. Revelation 3.14 says this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write. These are the words of the amen. The faithful and true witness. The ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. 
that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Listen, let me just stop there. When we get lukewarm, this is one of the the symptoms of being lukewarm. You do not realize it. We're blind and we're deaf. You don't realize it. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And this is what he says. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love. I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. When we repent, we humble ourselves before the Lord. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me to the one who is victorious i will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as i was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne whoever has ears let them hear what the spirit says to the churches now laodicea lukewarm Jesus is coming to knock on our door saying you don't even realize it that you are lukewarm you are not fixing your eyes on me you have lost your first love I am not your first love but I come and I'm going to revive you I'm going to revive your love for me so he comes and he knocks on the door by sending this word saying you know what you don't see where you're at but I'm showing you where you're at Because what the Lord wants to do for this church, it says, I want to reestablish to you what you have lost. I want to reestablish to you your authority. I want to reestablish to you your communion, your intimacy with me. So he says to them, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich white clothes to wear let me why does he say that what does that have to do with laodicea well laodicea was a wealthy city and it had a, a manufacturing of glossy wool and jesus is using the very things that they are hungering and desiring in the world and he says no you don't need to be running after that what i'm offering to you is my white garments i'm giving you new garments i'm going to cover your spiritual nakedness quit running after the things of the world quit hungering after the things of the world but wear my garments and then he says i want to put salve on your eyes i want to heal your eyes i want to heal your spiritual blindness laodicea was known for a salve that was to was to treat a number of diseases for eyesight and he's using he's saying i want to heal you when you're lukewarm you need to see there are scales on your eyes and they need to be ripped off because you have lost your first love and i'm telling you when we're in lukewarmness we are in dangerous territory And Jesus says, you know what, I'm coming and I'm knocking at your door. Jesus will not bully his way in. He will not push his way in, but he will knock. Jesus humble, humbly knocks at your door and says, let me come in. Why is he asking to come in? So I can restore you, so I can revive you, so I can restore you to the place where I want you in your exousia, in your dunamis, so that you are power and authority. What does this scripture tell us? 
It tells us, I want to come in and I want to commune with you. I want to be close to you. The closer you are to Jesus, the more authority you walk in. I want to come in. Can we commune together? Can we have those sweet times so that you can obey me, so that you can do what I'm telling you to do? Why am I telling you to do things? Because that helps you to walk in that authority to overcome the enemy. We know this because what does Jesus say after that? To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. This is echoing Ephesians that we were seated with Christ in heavenly places. He says, I'm going to help you overcome so that you are seated with me. I want overcoming children just like I did. What is he referencing? Just like I did. I did it in my incarnation. So can you. And when you do, you are seated with me. They reached for the things of the world. And they were gripped by the counterfeit. And when we reach for the things of the world, usually we're doing it because we're apathetic. We're doing it because we lost our first love. We're doing it because we got our eyes off Jesus. We're doing it because we have a proud heart. Don't you tell me what to do. An arrogant spirit. And we reach. And in that reach, we get gripped. And we think we're okay until we're in captivity again. And Jesus says, I want to clothe you. I want you seated with me. I want you walking in your authority. I paid for that. I paid for that. Why else? Because there's doors. Why else do we not have authorities? Because there's doors that we haven't shut. And I'm talking about spiritual doors or things that we kind of leave open and we access but are not of the Lord. And sometimes those things are things that have been taught to us, maybe the way we were brought up, and it's like, well, this is the way we do it. This is the way that it is. Maybe authority in your life as a child, you have authority figures in your life, and they've opened up doors, they've introduced you to ways to handle things and to function, and it's not of the Lord. It created dysfunction in your life. It could have even created an addiction in your life. But you know what? Because you have the power and authority of Jesus Christ, you can close those doors. You can close those doors. And sometimes it's, a, it's that process of revelation that the Lord brings us to to say, you know what? It's time for me to close that door of fear. It's time for me to close that door of addiction in a certain area. It's time for me to close that door. I, you know what? Maybe my forefathers, maybe my grandma had depression. Maybe my mama had depression, but I'm not going to have depression. I am going to close the door because that's not the will of the Lord for my life. That he has come that I might have life and life abundantly. So I'm going to close the door. I'm going to believe God. God that that's not what he has for me see there are things sometimes it's cold sometimes it's our own choice sometimes because we've we've opened those things because of sin but sometimes it's authority figures in our lives that have taught us a certain way that we have to go and say nope that's not right nope that's not according to the word nope I'm a new creation first John 5 3 through 5 I want you to notice how many times John uses the word overcome in the scripture in fact this is love for God 
to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is a victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith, our faith. Listen, it begins in our, in our spirit and in our minds. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. You are an overcomer. Jesus just said it in Revelation. Listen, commune with me. Overcome. Sit with me. Finally, worship team, you can come on up. Why else? Last thing I want to say, and I want to say it kind of carefully, but I want to say it. One of the reasons why we aren't overcomers or have authority, walk in authority, is because we have resentment, we have bitterness, we have unforgiveness in our lives, we have offense in our lives. See, the fact is, is as new creations, we are vessels of his grace. We received the pardon we receive the forgiveness not because we are good enough, but because of his grace. We receive the power and authority that Jesus has given to us because of his grace. And when we are people who are resentful and bitter and unforgiving, what we do is we create a domain of gracelessness. We create a domain where the enemy can create a stronghold or a foothold in our life. Ephesians 4, 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. You know what? we got to beware of open doors that the enemy wants to come through, through bitterness, resentment. Has people hurt you? Yes, we've all been hurt. Has the church people even hurt you? Yes, everybody, we've all been hurt. The church people are not perfect. But the truth is this. It is our job to say, I am not going to allow a domain of the enemy in my life. I'm not going to allow the enemy to come in and give me a false sense of authority. See, bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness gives a counterfeit authority. But who really has the authority in our life is the enemy when we are harboring those things what I want to speak to specifically is for those of you that were brought up in the church I want to speak to you this is why the Holy Spirit laid it upon my heart you were brought up in the church and you have had a love-hate relationship with the church. That's the best way for me to say And I'm talking about the organized church. And you've seen the ways that people who call themselves Christians and even church organizations treated other people unkindly, rejected them, condemned them, judged them, and it offended you because you knew it wasn't right. But that offense in you created a stronghold that the enemy wanted you to have. It created a domain, a counterfeit authority. And as a result, it prevents you from having a flow of agape love yourself. 
the very thing, let me just say this, and I just know that's for somebody. The very thing you want the church to be, you can't be when you're bitter or offended or unforgiving. Do you hear me? The very thing that we see in the hatefulness that we see people do and say and condemn other people and point out other people's sin and all that stuff and we are offended by it. We let that foothold get in us and we can't be the agape love ourselves because there's a foothold in us. See, that's what the enemy wants to do. He's the evil genius, remember? And today the Lord says to you, there are somebody, there's got to be somebody because I know it. The Lord wants to free you from that. He wants to free you from that offense or that unforgiveness or resentment. And he's saying to you, let it go. Let it go so that I can use you the very way you want the church, people of God, to be used. Let it go. I want you to stand with me. Is there an area of your life that you're saying, you know what, I'm not walking in authority like I'm supposed to be? Is it an area of the flesh? Is it an area of the old man that you're letting in, that you're kind of harboring the old man? You're excusing yourself. And the Lord is coming to you in your journey of faith today. The Lord is coming to you and saying, time to mature yourself. You can clothe yourself. You can put on the new man in this area of your life. Is there any area of your life where you're letting the old man? Or have you reached for something? You know, maybe in the troubles of life. Maybe in the, you got a little lukewarm. Maybe over the last couple years. Or even got on autopilot in your walk with the Lord. And you kind of stepped away. I mean, you look okay on the outside. It's not about the outside. You know how to be on autopilot. Nobody would know the difference. But you know it. And Jesus knows it. And he's standing at your door. And he's knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking. And he's saying. I want to be close to you. I want to have the first love. Don't you remember your first love when I, it was all about me, when I, you were passionate for me, when you were hungry for me, when you're hungry for my word, when you're hungry to be in communion with me. I'm standing at your door and knocking. See, Jesus does that. Because Jesus is retracting the reach. He's retracting the grip. He's saying, you don't have to be a Demas. Come back to me. Come back to me. You're saying, Pastor Lim, why are you talking about this now? If I'm going to talk about authority, i got to give you the whole story. you got to have the whole story. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Humble Jesus. Lay down his life. Everything that was made was made through him. And he stands at your door. He stands at your heart. And he knocks and he says, let me come in. Let's be close. 
so that you can overcome. Because you cannot overcome unless we're close. Because that's where your authority comes from, in your position with me. And I always tell the Lord, I will preach it the way you give it. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord gives me his heart for you because he loves you so. He loves you so. He is passionate for you. He is passionate for you. He loves you. He loves you so much. And he wants you to walk in that victorious, overcoming life. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let me in. If you're lukewarm today, let him in. If you've been reaching for the wrong stuff, let him in. If you've been giving in to the flesh and excusing yourself, let him in, let him in, let him in, let him in, let him in. He has more for you. He has more for you. Where's the church headed in the earth in 2021? I think that the brick and mortar kind of idea of the church is crumbling and we are people without walls do you hear me we are the church without walls and when I say that I mean we're not confined to us just worshiping within the walls of a building but we're not without walls with him do you understand we're without walls with him you can come in Lord any place any place there is no walls with you I've told you, and you know what, I can feel it in the spirit realm. You say, you're kind of weird, Pastor. And you said, I, I say, I know I am. I know I am. But you know what? God sent me to you to be a messenger. And I'm going to give that message, but I know that we're in a new season in the earth. I can feel it. I can feel the rumbles. I don't know, you know, if you how you feel the rumbles of earthquake. And you go, you know what? It's earthquake season. We can feel it. I know when earthquakes come. And it comes, you know. And it comes. And I can feel the rumbles spiritually. I can feel them in India and Nepal and Bangladesh and our partners. I can feel them here that there's a rumbling. There's a rumbling going on. And I'm saying, come on, get in or get out. But you're not going to be lukewarm. You're going to either be hot or cold but I know one thing this house everything that the Lord's given us is fire tongues of fire pillar of fire 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 we're all fire because we're gonna be hot for him we're gonna let him in but it's it's not just corporate it's individual Worship team, go ahead and sing that song. Take time right now. Just reflect on the word. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? 
No light in the darkness you see But just one look at the Savior His life more abundant and free So just look up Your help is on the way Turn, turn your eyes upon Jesus Look forward, look forward in His wonderful face Stirring, shaking this place in the light. 
say, don't let opportunities pass you by to confront things in your life. Because when you do, you harden your heart. Too many hardened hearts in the church. I'm talking the institution of the church. Oh, Lord. Soften our hearts, Lord. Some of you in this room, you just need to say, take me back to my first love. Fall back in love with the Lord. Don't let lukewarmness be your status. You say, well, are you saying I'm lukewarm? I'm saying I don't know. But I know that the Holy Spirit is bringing a message to all of us. And this message had a lot of warfare coming, I'll tell you that much. This, the exhaustion of bringing this message to you. I know that the enemy wants to keep you under a certain level of powerlessness or lacking authority in your life. making me feel so uncomfortable, Pastor Lynn. You know what? At the end of the day, if that's going to help you confront something, that's all right by me. Because I know Jesus loves you and he's knocking, he's a knocking, he's a knocking, he's a knocking, and he wants to give you more of him, more of his presence, more of his power, more of his authority, more of his love, more of his peace, more of his joy, more, more, more of him. You are a person, a church without walls. Lord, we submit to you, we surrender to you, like Jesus said when he walked on this earth, that he surrendered to you in everything. And he did, said, I do exactly what the Father tells me to do. Exactly. And the world knows that I love the Father because I do exactly what the Father tells me to do. And Lord, may we be your children walking in power and authority because you came. You came to destroy the works of the enemy. And oh, how this world needs a church children of God that walk like Jesus walked and you gave us the power to do so so Lord we submit to you we surrender to you we open up ourselves and say search me oh God and for us Lord if we're not fixing on you fixing our eyes on you Lord refocus us today fix our eyes on you Lord let us not have a love for the spirit of this world, for the things of this world. But may you be our priority in everything that we do holistically in our lives, Lord. Because in that, we have authority. In that relationship, we have power. In that, we bring you glory. Oh, so you want to glorify yourself through your children. 
We thank you, Father. We receive your word this day in your name. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Prayer team over here is available. And I'll be over here to pray with people too. God bless you. In the light of his glory and grace, there is Thank you. 